This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Testing one, two. Hello, everyone. I wanted to say like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm back, but I don't know. What did he say? What that movie? Some other time, but uh, thank you, Ben, Rainier, and the rest of the beautiful people. <clears throat> Just smile at your neighbor and say, wow, you're looking so friendly this morning here at church. Some of you look like... If you haven't brushed your teeth, then just make sure you smile like one of these like flat smiles, okay? Just not one of those like oh, smiles. It's just may you may minister to your friend in another different way. Um, just an announcement for those of you who don't know, we're doing a camp in a month's time, and you mustn't miss out because it's for everyone a fellowship camp, and there's super tubes for everybody, especially the 70-year-old people here with us. And these, um, you'll see this thing in the foyer. This is not the mark of the beast, okay? So for, for the older people, if you have a smartphone, it means you can just like focus on this thing and then it's going to take you to the link if you want to register. It's all in, up in the foyer and the tents and we're going to buy off the church. I don't know what we're going to do, but... Um, so if you want to register, it's camping, it's nice, it's like a family fellowship vibe. If you don't have a, a tent, just tell somebody else and take their tent and bring, there's lots of food, all that stuff. But it's just a great weekend away. We all need to go away a little bit sometimes just to rest and to focus and take the kids their super tubes and all of that stuff. Like I said, all the people like Eugene was on the super tube the whole weekend last year when we were there. I only saw him the Friday and then this, I think it was a Sunday afternoon again. I think he did like 400 Super Tube rides uh, record, but let's see if we can beat that. Okay, so so that's this. If you have a smartphone, if you have a dumb phone, then um, then it means you, it, it cannot focus. It cannot, it's one of those things that cannot take a photo. If you don't have a phone, you have one of these bricks or whatever, then just hold on. Okay, so any smartphones out there? Any smart people? Okay. Okay, going free. We watch this digital cocaine. How many of you have seen digital cocaine? It's a, it's a Christian guy that comes from America, and he's talking about the new addictions. And um, so my son went to, to um, school, and after, he, we took him with Martinez and Hanu went with uh, Hanu. The, and, and the next day, after they were like four hours on the screen, he came back and he said, I've got a headache. Because I've been looking at the screen all the time, yeah? So it's amazing if you have kids, oh, they actually literally like just, you know, think like there's now addiction, there's cocaine coming out of the screen, you know? <laughs> but um, sometimes we, um, we lose focus, and this is what I'm going to talk about this morning, in awe of Him. Now, after the ninth sermon today, you are free to go because I've got some catching up to do, okay? So they've locked the doors. Uh, but after the ninth one, at about 3 p.m., you can all go home, okay? Because then we're all going to be hungry. But um, one of the things in this time away, the Lord said to me, go climb the mountain. And I did it about 25 times. Um, <clears throat> just of getting up there and going out, um, out of our circumstances. And I, I think everybody thought sometimes if, if the pastor goes on a sabbatical, all he does is he sits at home and watches TV. That's not what I did. It was actually very productive. But one of, one of the things I've realized is that 
if you're in something and you're busy with something, it is, you so get used to getting used to something. Uh, it almost becomes mechanical in our workplace, in our marriages, in our relationships. And then, then we lose the, the awe, or we lose the, the inspiration, we lose the, the revelation of what we're busy with. And in, in this context, we're going to talk about our awe of God. Um, you know, we, we, and, and what, are, what are some of those things? And so the question is, why do we lose our wonder or our awe of God? Sometimes we sang songs like this morning and we say like, Yo, Lord, you're wonderful. You are perfect in all of your ways. What does it mean God is perfect in all of his ways? So, so we sing it, but what does it mean? And, and when, we, when we walk past something, how do we so easily just get used to something um, and, and it becomes part of the furniture? Now imagine uh, you're a farmer, or no, let's, let's take one or two steps back, but there's this story that I, that I read about of this guy who started a, a rose garden, just, just three rose bushes in front of his house. And um, he didn't know anything about roses, so what he started to do is he, he just read up a little bit, Googled it, and checked out, and, and it was beautiful. He was amazed by these three r- little rose bushes that he planted in front of his garden. He had a big garden in the UK, or like a big area, and, um, and then he got intrigued by the roses, so he planted some more, he got some more colors in, he got the fragrances and so eventually he started to plant his whole garden full of roses. And it started to occupy him. He would go out. He was a retired guy. It's a true story. And eventually what happened is the neighbors started to come. And they started to walk through the rose garden. And they started. And eventually people started talking about it in the neighborhood and in, in the whole of the UK. And, and so eventually I had to put up a fence and he had to actually like control the people and he got so busy by just cutting the roses, by spraying the right stuff, the right colors, everything, that, that for a couple of years he was just going on with it. And it was just like the people came and they wrote newspaper articles about it and all that stuff. And eventually one of his friends one day walked in uh, and asked him, and he asked him this simple question. He says, when last did you enjoy the roses? What made you do what you started with? What, what was that thing? And then, then he got the shock of his life. <laughs> he realized that for years he hasn't like, he's lost just the why. Why is he doing what he's doing? And then his friend told him, close the gate, put locks on the gate, and take a chair and go and sit in the rose garden. And just smell the roses. And after I read this story, this, uh, this whole sermon sort of developed, you know, because if we are dealing with the things of God, what, in what way do we just become religious? <laughs> in what way do we just do and sometimes go through the motions? And I want us to go to a scripture that we've read probably many times, all of us, but it's Isaiah, and it's one of the moments in scripture. There's just a couple of times that people in scripture saw God for who he really was. And it's this encounter that Isaiah has in the, in the context of a lot of bad things happening. The Israelites, they were divided into the northern countries and um, the northern tribes and the southern tribes, which was the tribe of Judah. And, um, 
and they were fighting. There was a lot of division. There was a lot of conflict, a lot of bad stuff. And the people were, were sort of under, they were sort of in a prison. And, and they were hard-necked and stiff-necked. And God called Isaiah to minister to these people, hard-necked, stiff-necked people. Um, I think it's a bit the same as where we are at in our country today. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of stuff. The tribes are split. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that, is, that was happening. And, and so here God calls Isaiah, but he calls him in a very specific way. And he's sort of minding his own business, and, and then he gets this revelation of God. Now, you must know that if Jews, um, if they saw God, then they, they immediately saw they're going to die. <laughs> Because nobody saw God in full. They didn't even mention God's name in full. They would just use a part of his name. That was how uh, they had the fear of God in their lives. And, and they just like would be, be very, very respectful. And so here Isaiah thought that when he saw God, he's going to die. But now there's, you can almost miss the whole story if you don't look at the first verse. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background it says in Isaiah 6, verse 1 to 8. Are you all with me? Are you still smiling? Okay, this is just the introduction to the introduction to the introduction to the first sermon. Okay, so, so hang in there. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So he saw God. Above it stood the seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now we can almost take five sermons just out of those three verses. But what happened, he says, somebody had to die. And there was a specific king. King, however you want to pronounce that, Uzziah. <laughs> okay? And this king was a great king. He ruled for 50 years in the southern countries, which was the country of Judah. So Judah was the, was the tribe that was known for praise, for worshiping God. They had all the guys with the instruments. Every tribe in Israel was divided into certain skills that they had. So Judah was, you know, we sing the lion of the tribe of Judah when we sing praises because we, it refers to that part of this tribe that would worship God, would have a very specific relationship with God. And so, so he was the king for 52 years. He reigned when it was Jonah, Amos... Isaiah, I can't, all the prophets that we read about, there's a lot of prophets that, that was around in his time. But what happened with this king is he was great. He, he even invented some stuff of how they could like shoot the stuff and how they could kill the enemy. There was, there was great stuff in his reign. But at the end, he made a big mistake, this king that died. This king became proudful, full of pride. And what he did is he assumed the right as a king to go into the temple and then he wanted to burn and do sac burn fire and do sacrifices in this tabernacle. And so <clears throat> there was a there was a, a prophet, you must go and read it, I'll, I'll give you the reference, Second Chronicles twenty six. There was a prophet that came to him and he took eighty other prophets and he said, King, do you know what? This is great, but you're not allowed. It's only the Levites that can burn sacrifices in the, in the temple. And you, you are going to burn profane fire, meaning that you're going to assume certain stuff with God, and it's not your right to do that. You are the king, and we respect you. And so he took 80 prophets with him, and the king just 
ignored him. He ignored the prophet, he ignored the ways of God, and he went into the temple, and then he went to do the sacrifice. And the moment when he went to do the sacrifice, he was struck with leprosy immediately. And for the rest of his reign, this King Uzziah, Uzziah when he, he had to sort of, they built another temple, his own son had to take over. It, it was such a bad story for the tribe of Judah, who was the worshippers, was the people that were supposed to bring a certain aspect of God and, and show it to the rest of the world. And so, Isaiah's revelation of God only came after this king died. And, and you can almost miss the story, but you'll see right through Scripture that God would wait for certain stuff in our lives to die before He can bring the right revelation. God waits for seasons, and He's very respectful, and He, and he will just say, look here, when, the moment when the king died, then Isaiah could come forth and he could see who God really was. And it, it's such a prophetic picture of, of pride. Do you know that in this town of ours, intellectual pride is one of the strongholds in this area. That's why division and all this stuff, even racism was born out of this town because of intellectual pride, because of certain people thinking they're better than others. <laughs> and it's actually a theology, it's actually a stronghold that comes. And so here we see this revelation of this Isaiah <laughs> of where he sees God, but he sees God in a completely different way than what we would look at God. Because when you look at that, he's, he says he, he sees God high and lifted up, and then he hears the angels singing, holy, holy, holy. Isn't that amazing? They just sing the same over and over. I don't know if you you and I, sometimes we sing the song, and then the second song, they thought like, okay, Renier, you know, that was a bit long, you know? You know, he's a good, good father. What was the second song? I can't even remember, but um, yeah. And then, then we sing it like three times, and you think like, that, that's a bit long, you know? Just, just like get over to the, to the next song. But, but I'm, I'm sorry for you, but in heaven, for the first 10 million years, we're going to sing holy, holy, holy. <laughs> and, and then just when you think you're going to get your second breath, then for the next 50 million years, we're going to join with the angels and sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. <laughs> The angels don't get bored because every time they sing holy, something new of God is revealed. The, um, um, Stephen Lunga's wife said that she saw a vision of heaven and she said, there's so many colors in heaven that you don't find on earth. Because God is truly holy. And then it says these words, the whole earth, and, and it says with the exclamation mark, the whole earth is full of his glory. That's what the angels say. Okay, there's an exclamation mark there in the scripture. Do you see? Now, when I look at what I see around me, I don't see the whole earth is full of his glory. But when you see, when God really begins to open your eyes, you begin to look at what God is doing. You don't, not just looking at, what the devil is doing and what's happening in the world around you. And see, you and I have a choice when we come to God. Either we can be self-conscious, that meaning like even when you come in here this morning, you can always be focused on, oh, am I good enough? What am, what am I doing? What are the people thinking about me? How should I worship? How should I? You could be self-conscious. He's always focusing on yourself. Or you could be sin conscious, meaning that you're always thinking about what am I doing right, what am I doing wrong, how much did I sin, how good am I, how bad am I? 
or you can be God conscious. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives is he wants to bring us a revelation. He wants to help us to see God, to be in awe of him. But if you're focusing on yourself and like Isaiah, he had a couple of problems and you can, I'm not going to read through, through all of this scripture, but, but go and read it in detail because the first thing that happens is he says, well, is me. He thinks like I'm going to die. And then he says, I come from a people that are, have got unclean lips. <laughs> he says, my culture is really bad. And you know, in every culture, there's some good stuff, but in every culture, there's also some very bad stuff. God wants to redeem our culture because, especially in South Africa, we are very critical. We are very negative. We always know what's going wrong. We're always like against something. (laughs) But here God comes and then the angel flies over and he cleanses his lips. And then finally, as I can say, Lord, here am I, send me. Okay, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something because I, I, I want us to, to be practical today. Because, do you know what? One of, one of the things, if we so get used to God, we lose that awe of God, we lose the respect of God, and then we become familiar with the things of God. We're just like, I'm used to be a Christian, and I'm used to that you sometimes just stop being thankful. You stop losing your awe. And that, that for me is like the sort of almost the benchmark, the thing that you must look at. If I lose my thankfulness and my praise, then I am in trouble because most probably I'm religious with God. And religious is just something, bad religion, there's good religion as well. Religious, religion is something when I try to fix something on the outside to change the condition on the inside of my heart. And God is always interested in the heart. So listen to this in Matthew 16, 22. Are you with me? We're going to get practical now, now. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from, me, from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. I, oh, sure, Lord, please never say I'm an offense to you. But here he says to Peter, You are an offense to me, for you are mindful of the things, you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. If we're familiar when we become familiar with God, it means we are mindful, more mindful of what people think than what God thinks. We are always looking at what people are doing, but we're not looking at what God is doing. So this is how we're going to get practical. This week I prayed and I said, Lord, I need King Proteas. Okay? And then this lady just got five of them and I got them for free. But most of us did probably not recognize these flowers or we didn't see them yet. But they like, they like beautiful proteas. So I'm going to give it here in the front. And then when you look at something from, the dis- from a distance, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. But I want you to take a moment when it comes past. This is going to happen the whole sermon. And I want you to look at this thing and then you think like, whoa. Something so simple, but when I come close to it, it begins to change. It's not just something on a stage. It's not just something out there. And I want you to take 30 seconds. I want you to to look at it. And I messed up this one a little bit, but that's all right. And please, this belongs to my wife. I told her before the time I'm going to give it to her. So it's mine. It's mine. It's not her days, okay? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give it. It's still mine. I haven't given it to her yet. I want you to pass it around and I want you to look at it. And I want you to think for a moment, 
if God made something like that, and he says even man is much more than, higher than creation. When that little Prithia stands up there in the mountains, God looks at it. We don't even see lots of his creation. But because we're on our phones all the time, because we're so busy, busy, we get so distracted, distracted, we lose all of the very basic things. And this is what God had to cleanse in Isaiah. This is what he had to say to Isaiah. Isaiah, before you can be a prophet out there, first what I want you to do is I want to change your eyes the way that you see. And, and we see this story with Peter. Because Peter was going with Jesus. He was hanging around Jesus all the time. And, and when Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross. And he says, look here, Jesus. Let me tell you. I've got some news for you. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not God's plan for your life. We're going to rule. We're going to reign together. And then Jesus defines him. He says, but Peter, the problem isn't like, like just, you know, the purpose or the calling. The problem is very simply you're mindful of the things of God more or the things of men more than what you're mindful of the things of God. And how many times in our lives do we become familiar even with something like marriage, even the, our marriage partner or some, the people around us, we, we cross a line so easily and then what we do is we assume the right to try and want to change them. <laughs> I was talking to a lady, I'm just checking if she's here last week after the service. And uh, she's just very open and very frank. I'm not going to mention the name. She said when she got married, after about a couple of months, she, or, or just when she got married, she, she thought like, sure, my husband's parents really did a bad job. But I'm going to fix him. I'm going to do a good job. <laughs> she said after a year, she realized like, uh-uh, God wants to change her first. Her parents did probably a worse job, yeah? Because it's so easy to say, I'm going to fix him. Why are all the married people laughing like that, eh? Doesn't work. God fixes you. Yeah? But you see, so many times we just take things for granted. And what do we do? We lose the fear of God. We lose the awe of God. In Proverbs 9 verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, I've got some homework for you. I want you to to sort of jot down these, these, the, the one scripture, but let me read two other scriptures. Because the scripture talks about some aspect of God as the beauty of God. Listen to this in Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. In Psalm 29 verse 1 and 2. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord glory due to His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. Say the beauty of His holiness. Your homework is to somewhere this week take Psalm 145 and go and meditate on it. If you have time, take an hour, take two hours, going to the mount, going to nature a little bit. I'm going to read it for us. Because there's something about the heart of David 
that was connected to this tribe of Judah, this worship that God wanted to restore, you know. And if, if we really know what is the purpose of man, the purpose of man is to worship God, to enjoy God, to, to walk with God, to stand in awe of who God is. Revelations, I think it's 4 verse 11, says that, is that man has been made to worship God, for God to enjoy man as well. But listen to this Psalm 145, it says, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I read it again because it's typed out two times in the same scripture. But And on the your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glories. Oh, I think there is another one. The, verse 14, the Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all who look expectantly to you and you give them their food in due season. You open up your hand and satisfy, satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. Verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love them, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. When we, when we read that, and I want, you know, sometimes we just read it out loud. <laughs> Get yourself out of the space. <laughs> And when you, when you start to ask God, say, God, you know, we, we've been doing that with the leaders specifically, with all the leaders in the church. We've been asking them four questions. Is why, why are you here in Stellenbosch? <laughs> and why are we as a church here? And what does it mean to be prophetic? And why is Stellenbosch here? And it's amazing sometimes just to stop and to ask God, but God, why am I here? Why did you call me to be here in Stellenbosch? Not just to like have a nice time and to like, you know, get frustrated with with the little bit of traffic we have and to get tense about this or tense about that. God has called us here for a purpose. But sometimes we just go on and on and on because we get so busy. We get so distracted. We get so so over, you know, just like in the moment all the time, running one day from the other. And then, then we have to stop. And sometimes God causes a crisis to get our attention. Sometimes God causes you to come to the place where you realize like, oops, things doesn't work out in the way that I've planned. It's like Moses walking and then there were lots of bushes like that and there were lots of burning bushes. But one spoke and then he had to stop. And he had to realize, hey, something is different. And so some of the crisis in your life is not from the devil, sorry. Some of them have been designed by God to get your attention. 
some of the difficult times we go through is, is like, whoa, is to, to see who God is. You are perfect in all of your ways. There's not a lot of amens, okay? Remember, I'm just busy with the introduction of the first sermon, okay? There's nine to come. The doors are locked. But see, why do, why do we lose that awe? Why do we lose those stuff? It's because we, we rush in one thing to the other. We just like sing the songs. We just go through the motions. And then it becomes mechanical. Then it just it's just stuff we do, but we, we don't stop enough. We don't say... Whoa, Hokai, Stopilori, what's that song? Hokai, you know, what's going on? <laughs> you know, it's, and, and, and this is just between the two of us, you know. So, yeah, after a month of being on the sabbatical, um, people would come and ask me, say like, hey, are you resting? And I then I just looked at them and I thought like, this is crazy. This is not nice. What are you doing? Nothing. What are you, like, now I'm reading and all that stuff. And then to be very honest, so much of what we do, we find our identity in what we do and not who we are. And that's probably the biggest revelation I got. <laughs> Sometimes just sitting there in front and then, getting like withdrawal systems of having a mic to speak in front of people. And then I feel like, give me the mic, give me the mic, yeah? <laughs> and then you just sit there and you think like, I can do it better than them. I can do it like, sort yourself out, get focused, you know, whatever. And then you just sit there and the Holy Spirit says, surrender. But then it's amazing when you have those moments when God begins to speak to you about stuff that you would have never listened or heard because you're so focused on what you do. And I want to specifically talk to the men. <laughs> we are many times task-orientated. We're task-orientated. So we find a lot of identity in what we do, and God has never called us to find our identity in what happens on the outside. It's all about what happens in the inside. It's about your intimacy with God. It's about your relationships with God and the people around you. And how many times do we live with people around us and we just assume stuff about them? We just assume the right that we can control them or we can tell them how they should change or in our marriages or relationships around us because we become familiar because we're so used to it. I, I, I know you, Jonathan. So I can speak my mouth off, you know. But there's a church that's prophetic, and that prophetic church means simply we see what God is doing. We see who God is more than what, what he is doing. And this is this, this thing that Isaiah had. God says to him, Isaiah, you're going to go back to a stiff-necked, a hard-necked people. They're not going to even listen to you. God, you know, what a, what a job. God says to him, I'm sending you to these people, but they're not going to listen to what, I'm gonna tell, what you're going to tell them. But just go any case because you're going with my revelation. I'm sending you as a failure. That's basically what God said. But you know what? They label you as a failure, but I will not. Because you've seen me. And so a prophetic church isn't people that run around on the mountain, jump up and down and blow the shofar and we do lots of prophetic stuff. It's people that can see who God is <laughs> and just proclaim it. This is who God this is what God is saying, and this is who God is. We've seen the Lord high and lifted up. A 
Amen? And, and so there's a, there's a church that God is calling out, calling out and saying, come, I, I want you to see. I want you not to lose your awe and your wonder. There's a song, may I never lose the wonder. May I never lose the wonder. But we do. And sometimes in our identity, and that's one of the other 15 sermons, you know, our challenge starts with the human race where we started. Is we sit under the wrong tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Every day, and God says, come out. I want you to sit under the tree of life. I want you to sit under the tree of life. I want you to have life and life in abundance. So, there are two people. Are you, are you still with me? I'm going to finish the introduction now. <laughs> okay. And we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. Next week, when Johnny is coming to share, but the week after that, we're going to talk about some of these things. There are only two people that really walked with God in Scripture. Who can tell me who they, they were? Shout a name. Enoch and Elijah. Is it on the screen? No. <laughs> It was. <laughs> there are only two people who physically did not see death in Scripture. Now, there's a lot of stuff that we can go around and try to, you know, try to analyze revelations, the two prophets that came back and all of that stuff. We're not going to go into that. But there were two people that really knew God, two people that walked with God. And that's Enoch and Elijah. And, and from the word go in Genesis, God would come out every day and he would walk with Adam and Eve. When they sinned, they try to cover themselves. They try to hide from God. And we're going to talk a lot about that because it's got a lot to do with our identity today. It's shame, performance. We try to cover on the outside. Our perception of God has changed. We can't see God ready for who he is. And that's why God has given us the Holy Spirit, so that we can see him, so that we can have that revelation of him. But there were two people that walked with God. And there was some stuff in their lives that just stood out. And I'm gonna just I'm gonna just mention a few. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it in in a couple of weeks. The first one was humility and teachability. If we want to walk in who God is, the great news is you are never gonna stop growing in that revelation. <laughs> You're never gonna get bored with God. I mean. The world is lying to us and the world is telling us that, hey, I can only concentrate two minutes because the world is trying to give another image and we mostly see it on our phones and our screens. It's lying to us because it's trying to entertain us. And then we sometimes come to church and we, we get bored because, hey, we just go through the religious motions sometimes. But if you want to walk with God and if you want to walk in awe of God, you have to really be humble and realize, like, I have not arrived. It's, it's a good thing. I mean, <laughs> you just say, like, whoa, I, I, I don't know what's going on all the time. I don't know the fullness of God. And sometimes things happen in my life I don't understand. But I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to be teachable. I'm going to learn to grow every day. I'm not going to rely on yesterday's revelation or yesterday's manner. Today, the manner is just for today. And that's why teachability means I've got a hunger for his word. I've got a desire for his word. I said that when we see his glory, we have no glory. We are uncovered. But then his glory comes to cover us. Isn't that amazing? 
God wants to cover us with his glory. The second one is tenderness and mercy. When I start to see God for who he is, then suddenly what begins to happen is I begin to walk in mercy, not in judgment, because I realize how much I've received of God's grace and his mercy. And mercy means instead of judging others or instead of like saying, well, you know, I'm better, at least I'm a better Christian than you because, you know, I read my Bible every day, <laughs> you know. And I've got a scripture a day that keeps the devil away. And I'm, I'm, I'm like this cool Christian. But suddenly when you realize, then you have compassion and mercy to share with others because you realize like we're all just on this road. <laughs> we all, we, we, nobody has arrived. <laughs> nobody has the final revelation. It's only going to happen one day when we see him fully in a twinkling of an eye when we're going to be changed. That's when we are going to see him fully. The third thing I, we already mentioned that is the fear of God. When we walk in the fear of God, I think especially for the charismatic church, we're in big trouble. We're in big trouble because we are so familiar with the things of God. I, I, I went to do a bit of research and read, read a lot about stuff. And, and I realized like, sure, for much parts of the church that we belong to, we've become so consumer driven. We've become so like people, and, and I'm saying this with respect, we make our services shorter, fancier, nicer, smoke screens going up and down. And I, I've got nothing against that stuff, except that I'm a bit allergic to smoke screens. So I have to run out, you know, to, to smoke machines, you know, and all that stuff. But then I think like, what, what makes this meeting different than just another pub, socky or a the church sometimes looks just like the world and there's no difference, there's no repentance. And I, I want to encourage you. There's some people visiting us. But if you are part of a church and they never talk about repentance, the fact that you and I must change, then you better run. <laughs> because at the center of the gospel is God is good, God is holy, and you and I are not. <laughs> Somebody's going to change. And the good news, it's, it's not God. <laughs> it's us. <laughs> but make a peace with that, you know. That we are imperfect beings serving a perfect God. But you know, I'm, I'm really tense about this because I'm thinking like, Lord, there's so much that is given. We actually went to this big church with this big stuff and all that stuff. And, and this preacher preached spoke for an hour and a half and he didn't once mention a scripture he didn't once mention the name of jesus and he spoke about how to make a good church a great church and i thought like is this just like motivational speaker life coaching what what is happening here no repentance and you know what people come in they'll go out but their lives won't change because in at the center of god's revelation what those angels sing is not love, love, love. Oh, he is the love, love, love. It's holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The one who was and who is and who is to come. The angels don't sing about God's love. Yes, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. 
But when you want to see beauty, you know, somebody's going to change. Something is going to change. And that's you and I. And once we have drawn to Him based on His terms, not our terms. Because here's another sermon, I'm just mentioning it. I believe the church, there's a massive divide in the church, the, the real church of Jesus in this moment. It's between those who serve Jesus as Savior and those who serve Him as Lord. If Jesus is just your Savior, you're in that relationship for all the benefits He can give you. If Jesus is your Lord, then your whole relationship is redefined with Him. Because then I come to church not to be served, but to serve Him. I realize I am the living sacrifice. I am the one. So the last four things, I'm going to just mention it and then we're going to pray. Passion and inspiration. Those who walk with God, they're passionate, they're inspired, but not because of a fleshly psyching ourselves up. No, because we've seen God and the Holy Spirit brings a freshness in our relationship with God. We have that awe, that wonder of Him every day when we wake, wake up. It's called the joy of our salvation. You think like, Lord, you have saved me. I cannot believe that you can save somebody like me. Lord, and if you can save me, you can save anybody. <laughs> and that brings also a confidence. Because of the word of God. Not a confidence because, hey, we're so great, you know. Our orange is better than your orange. Our flags are nicer than the church around the corner. My Bible is more thick and more, and it's even signed by Um Angus. It's much more spiritual. This one is anointed. Bring it on, you know. So out of brokenness and humility comes a confidence in his word. It's not arrogance, but a confidence because the highest form of your worship becomes obedience. You begin to realize like, wow, I have got this privilege to serve the king of all kings. Now imagine for a moment the queen of England. The, the lady, the old lady. She's always prim and proper. And she's going to live for many years because they sing God Save the Queen over and over, you know, in the English anthem. So she's probably going to get to 180 because if people sing that all the time about me, I would probably also live so long. But imagine, just imagine for a moment, the Queen of England walks through that door now. Just, just think about that moment. Just, just think if the Queen of England walks through that door right now. Okay, some of you will take out your phones and <laughs> selfie, you know, but, but that's not supposed, but we'll be like, think like, whoa, because the queen covers or she, she brings a presence with her. She's not going to run in there and throw a handbag and be like, hey, cool people, you know, been waiting to see you, you know, and it's like, dun, 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 uh, uh, you know. The queen is not going to do that, you know. <laughs> but when she walks in, when she walks in here, then everybody's going to like, whoa, 
sometimes when the king comes in, we're on our phone, we're all over the place. Uh, wait, Jesus, um, I'm busy here. Just like, just, just, just stop what you're doing, Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm just a biz, busy with the kids right here. Um, I'm just, I'm just like doing that over there. I'm, I'm just watching my sport. You know, the Springboks need to win, and I've been praying for them. But how many times does the king walk in and then the king walks out again? In our services, in our relationships. That's why God had to take Isaiah to that place. He had to wait for Uzziah to die. The pride, the ugliness of just assuming things. And God had to say, that season must be over so that I can bring my revelation. I believe the church we we're crossing over, the real body of Christ is crossing over to see God for who He really is. But it's not always what we expect. It's not always in the way that we expect. And it's not for us to just have a nice time. And that means that we walk away from just religious experience. Do you know, as the charismatic church, we get very religious. Because we sing the nice songs, we even go like. Put the CD. Okay, many of you don't know what a CD is anymore, but you know, we put the songs on and then it's like. He's cool. He's cool. Oh, 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 you know? And then you think like. And I'm not saying we shouldn't sing, oh, happy days, because they are happy days. But God is drawing us closer to him. And God is saying, am I enough? Will I be enough for you? If I take everything away in your, in your life, it's called contentment. Scripture says contentment with godliness is great gain. When we realize that the cross is enough, God is enough. So some people run up and down and say, revival, revival, revival. You know, and I think like, just look at the cross. That's what revival means is to revisit. Hebrews chapter 1 says, in the final days, previously God spoke through the prophets, but in the final days, God spoke to us through his son. And once we revisit that, once we revision what God has done and where God is and who he is, not just what he does, then we'll be a generation that really sees the line of the tribe of Judah standing up. Will you stand with me this morning? As we're going to just take a moment and respond. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.